Hello, and welcome to Stride and Saunter, episode 44. I'm Kip Clark, and today to talk with me, I have a guest, Tim Journey. Hi, I'm Tim Journey. <laughs> so today our topic is actually going to be body hair, as suggested by a friend of ours. So Tim, how would you like to begin this discussion? Well, I think we should establish what we mean by body hair. Okay. So in general, we're talking about hair all over the body, right? But for some reason in my brain, body hair is not head hair, as in like hair on top of your head. I agree. But maybe we should include that too. And then I think it can be divided into head hair, face hair, and then like other parts of the body hair and pubic hair. I think those are like four separate body hair categories. Mm -hmm. I agree. I think leg hair is its own category in a lot of ways. I agree. Pubic hair, chest hair, back hair. I think facial hair is interesting in that eyebrows could be considered facial Mm -hmm. hair, but I don't think a lot of people think about that. And then the little cilia, the tiny hairs inside of our noses, are also (laughs) hair in many ways. That is true. And I think they are important and serve a lot of function. And function versus visual appeal is going to be a theme that I will try to touch on later because I think we as humans have many issues with the appearance of hair, and I think that's why we often shave it. So in this day and age, do you think there are common issues with body hair or even trends as to what people find fashionable? Obviously, there's male and female and others to consider in appearance of hair. What do you think? Yeah, I'd say that body hair is gendered, although gender is also kind of going to the wayside. And I think that that's actually a major trend that I've noticed is sort of starting to buck some of the longstanding rules for men and women in body hair, at least on this college campus. I have a lot of female friends who are not shaving their armpits or legs mm-hmm. and sort of seeing that as a non-issue, not even as like a political stance, but like, I'm just going to do this because I want to. And there's the whole like man bun trend, you know, of men growing their hair long and not even wearing it down. Well, I suppose those would be the two, I guess the restrictions for guys who don't have long hair, right? And then maybe guys like shouldn't shave parts of their bodies is sort of a rule, I guess. And then for women, it's like, get rid of all the hair except the hair on your head is my basic understanding. I have a similar understanding. I remember back in my eighth grade days, I want to say before I'd started to grow armpit hair, someone had asked me if I'd shaved my armpit hair and was really critical of that possibility. And I said that I hadn't and he was suddenly appeased. But it is interesting that men, just like women, grow body hair. But for some reason, we as men are not expected to shave. Yeah. Why? I wonder. It's weird, and I feel like a lot of people listening would simply say, well, that's the way it is, but I will challenge everyone listening as well as myself and Tim here to challenge those ideas. It's not going to be a podcast episode which concludes how beauty and hair relate and how culture and hair relate, but I definitely want to ask the right questions and see if we can delve deeper. So I think part of it is patriarchal stuff and the idea that men typically have held societal power and so whatever they want goes and I think the idea of laziness not wanting to shave allowing your body to grow hair and frankly the lack of male concern for appearance I don't think in what is traditionally a man's world men care as much about how they look because typically it's been dominated by heterosexual gaze and I think that is often redirected at women and women's bodies yeah although I would argue that if you're going like long term back in history, we have a lot of examples of men caring a lot about the way that they look Absolutely. Um, and their appearance. And I think that it might have more to do with this idea of men being rugged, wild creatures, right? That's and fair. I think that physically men grow more body hair than women mm-hmm. in the same way that men build more muscle than women. 
using the quotes around men and women because I think that those are not so fixed. Absolutely. But because of that, the construction of gender has sort of reinforced and kind of dramatized those two distinctions. I agree. And I think for men, part of it is that we grow facial hair, darker, coarser hair. Women sometimes have peach fuzz, I know, but men can grow mustaches and beards. Obviously, there are anecdotes of bearded women and such, so it's not fixed. But I think for men, there is that identity that men grow facial hair. Obviously, some don't. But I remember personally when I started shaving around ninth or 10th grade and could grow facial hair. And for me, it's interesting, and I've never necessarily thought about it as something that makes me masculine. But I do think when I look in the mirror with a beard, I feel like I identify with myself in a more masculine way or that I'm fitting into some visually acceptable code. And it's not something that I ever talk about with people. And I think that's maybe one of the worst things that I don't know why it appeals to me so much, because certainly I find it visually appealing when I have a beard. But let's say my mother, for example, has often wished that I was more clean shaven and that more of my face were visible. So there's clearly something going on there. What was it like when you first started shaving? Well, it's funny because I felt for a long time that facial hair was, like, fair. Women got to do whatever they wanted with their hair. They could grow it out super long. If they cut it short, that was, like, radical and interesting and not just what it literally every other boy does. And they could braid it. And I mean, there's just so many options. And I felt like that's so liberating. So I just remember waiting as a young person to be an adolescent and to have facial hair to play with, you know, to, like, have a beard and then have a mustache and then I was so frustrated because I realized that a shaving is awful I hate shaving shaving is boring mm -hmm. and feels like a it's like sleeping it feels like ugh. You know, I have better things. To, yeah, better things to be doing with my life. But also, like your full hair on your face doesn't come in until way later. I mean, I don't think that I was able to grow anything remotely seemly until like twenty. And mm -hmm. so there was like a, I think there was just like a continual seven years of disappointment when it came to my face because I wanted to finally be able to do what these women around me were doing, which is just like experiment free play yeah with the hair on my I body hear you. <laughs> and i think it's interesting i remember as a child identifying facial hair with older men and i think for some boys it's that transition period not only are you going through puberty but facially you can show that you are transitioning and i think that's somewhat problematic because obviously as i mentioned there are some men who don't grow facial hair but i think are just as much men and have just as much a right to claim masculinity as others so I think that's problematic. But of course, another side of the story is body hair for women, which I think is highly policed in a lot of ways. And I will give an obvious disclaimer here that Tim and I are not women and so don't have the right to necessarily talk about certain aspects of it. And I do intend to record a follow-up episode with a female guest star and hopefully with Caroline back in the studio as well. But in the interest of including the female perspective and other perspectives on this issue or this idea, because it isn't inherently an issue, I did a little bit of research, and it turns out that humans have been removing body hair for a long, long time, and it isn't simply on the body below the head. For example, Queen Elizabeth I, during the Middle Ages, set the precedence for hair removal among women, and she removed it mostly from her face around the eyebrow area to actually make the forehead larger. They used walnut oil or bandages soaked in ammonia and vinegar, and other women followed that trend. In ancient Rome, lack of body hair was a sign of class. Wealthier citizens would remove it, and statues of goddesses actually were often depicted without hair to show how high they were in the 
Roman echelon or hierarchy. In ancient Egypt, even, women would remove all of their body hair using tweezers made of seashells or pumice stones, which are very coarse and feel like sandpaper, or beeswax and sugar-based waxes to remove all of their body hair, which I think is very interesting, and I wonder to what extent people found that to be functional and to what extent it was aesthetic, because obviously, let's say, swimmers you get rid of a lot of your body hair or try and make yourself as frictionless as possible so you can move easily through the water. But I don't think in ancient Egypt those were concerns. And I don't think we can say that body hair or control of body hair has been an entirely modern issue. Actually, King Camp Gillette, who was an American businessman who created the first modern razor for men, did so in 1880, and it would be three decades before women began to use them. And I will come back to the early 20th century. But Tim, what have you observed in women or girls who go against the grain, which I guess is a figure of speech here in some ways, but don't shave certain parts of their bodies that other girls or women might? Do you think they are treated differently or outcast or judged for it? I think that I am trained to notice in the sense that I sort of do the typical double take of, wow, they have armpit hair, or they didn't shave their face. And I have friends who've chosen not to shave. But I'm not sure I'm like the voice of the American consciousness as far as body hair is concerned, because I always sort of look at it and go, oh, yeah. That's totally fair, and I wouldn't expect you to know what everyone's thinking, but I would ask the removal of body hair on women. Do you think it's an attempt to assimilate or conform a certain group of people in society? I think it's the same thing as clothes or makeup or not makeup or anything else that has to do with appearance. I mean, why do women shave their legs? I don't think just because they're told to, but I think that most women shave their legs in American society. Mm -hmm. And so, yeah, not shaving your legs is a choice. Right. And I think it's probably easiest to do what people are doing unless you have a really good reason not to, which is why most guys wear pants on a regular basis. And it's very uncommon for men to wear dresses, mm -hmm. etc. And certainly that's gender acting through you and reinforcing or reinterpreting or speaking out these gender norms. But I think for most people in regards to body hair, unless it is really noticeably deviant, whatever you're doing is probably just because the people around you are doing it. That makes sense. I will say another fact I learned that in the 1940s, due to a wartime shortage of nylon because of World War II, more products and techniques for hair removal were used because more women were forced to go bare-legged more often, which I think is really interesting that a global event like World War II actually had an effect on resources and therefore on style and fashion. And I think that's really interesting. And it was in 1915 when the first picture of a woman with completely shaven armpits was shown in a magazine publication in the U.S. that the trend took off and women began shaving their armpits. So I think a lot of it is media portrayal and advertisement, which I think is really interesting. I think back to Macklemore, who very recently, in my opinion, established a particular style of haircut that's very short on the sides and longer on the top, which he was not the first to do, I'm sure. But because of his popularity, I think he set that trend and people began to imitate him which I think is interesting. What do you think about that example? It's funny. Have, do you ever look at old pictures of people, like 1930s mm -hmm. or even 1950s? I like to go through, like, Kenyan archives. Not go through, but look at them when I see them. And I'll look at haircuts and think, whoa, we actually just started doing that again. Or, hmm, that one's been out of style for a while. Mm -hmm. But we have this idea that the Macklemore began. It probably sort of just, like, flowed in and out for right. hundreds and hundreds of years. I wonder how people cut their hair before. Well, I suppose they had scissors for a long time. Did our ancestors just grow their hair forever? 
It's a good question. It's one I often think about, and I'm sure there are resources to look at, and I would be interested in doing that and having you back to discuss it. I suspect a lot of it was braided. I know that in Rome, boys would have hair braided over the tops of their heads when it grew longer. I don't know about many cultures. I suspect it was kept as neat as possible, but I think hair was probably allowed to grow long in a lot of circumstances. I don't think they always had the sharp devices to cut it properly. I feel like fully shaving one's head was probably an older practice that people engaged in, but I'm not entirely sure. We should look these things up at some point. <laughs> some other things that caught my attention when I was doing this research were conceptions around pubic hair and completely shaven genital areas, which Emily Gibson of The Guardian, an article I will attach, said, It is a sadly misconceived war. Long ago, surgeons figured out that shaving a body part prior to surgery actually increased rather than decreased surgical site infections. No matter what expensive and complex weapons are used, hair, like crabgrass, always grows back and eventually wins. In the meantime, the skin suffers the effects of the scorched battlefield. And she said that because of the environmental condition of genital areas, bacterial pathogens find suitable factors to grow, spread, and develop more easily, which isn't an inherent problem except for the microscopic abrasions that occur when you shave your skin because you're cutting something into which these microorganisms can move and infect you or infect a partner. And she actually said that there have been studies that have concluded that shaving or heavily shaving pubic areas can increase sexually transmitted infections, which I think is interesting because the aesthetic obsession with hairlessness has led to medical problems. Obviously not for everybody, but it has happened according to these studies, and I think that's problematic. Do you think body hair removal or obsession with being hairless goes too far? I think that collectively maybe we are too into policing each other's body hair. I don't know if body hair removal has gone too far because I think too far would have to be like causing lots of cancer or something. But mm -hmm. I definitely think, I mean, the first time I shaved my pubic hair, which might be TMI, but oh well, we're talking about body hair. Mm -hmm. I was shocked at how much it hurt growing back in. Right. And so for me, it was like, okay, I'm not doing this anymore, even if it's what I'm supposed to do because it is not fun. <laughs> but I also think pubic hair is an interesting one to talk about because I feel like you don't get exposed to any sort of rules regarding pubic hair. Right, because it's not as visible to society, frankly. You might have a partner who sees it and you will obviously see it, but I agree, there's not as much policing that happens. Yeah, but I, I think it's interesting to talk to friends about their experiences with pubic hair, and this is very informal, but the many times that I've had this conversation, I find that women and men, kind of in equal measure, have like wildly varying understandings of what, quote, is generally expected. I think that people have like one or two experiences, sexually probably, or like maybe on a sports team or any other instance when somebody might see your pubic hair and comment on it, and they'll take away from those isolated incidences a rule. So for instance, like I might be talking in a group of three guys, well, what do you guys think? Do you have to shave or not? One guy might say, yeah. Every time that I've ever hooked up with anyone, you know, they've always been so happy that I shaved. Another guy might say, are you kidding me? Girls are only into, or guys are only into having like totally untamed pubic hair. And then somebody else might say, what are you guys talking about? It's always in between. You just trim it and that's it. And it's funny that all three people are like sure that they're right. I definitely think that's interesting. And scientists have not been able to conclude based on what little reading I've done, why it exists. Some think it's because of warmth. Others think it's because of light padding that might be provided by hair. Others think that the function might be to reduce friction because obviously our legs are in constant motion when we're walking. 
One interesting theory that I heard about armpit hair is actually that it absorbs or soaks up certain hormones that might attract potential mates. And I find that really interesting because as a result of shaving it, we don't have that function. And also we use perfumes and other things or deodorants even to give us certain scents. But I think in many ways our bodies, as disgusting as we think it might be, produce certain chemicals which might potentially attract or signal to other people the possibility of being attractive. And I think that's interesting that we've removed that factor from human interaction by choosing, at least for the female side, more often than not, to shave armpits. I think that's really interesting. I think that plays in really well. And actually introducing odor, I think, is less disconnected than it might seem to this conversation. Because I feel like policing or like majorly cutting body hair or reducing is sort of the same thing that we've done with odor, where it's like body odor, right, is gross. You say BO and everybody makes a face. But body odor was like not gross until we made it gross there's yeah, no natural right. smell that humans are like this is good and this is bad uh, well maybe there are a few but i feel like there's no way that when humans evolved we developed noses which inherently disliked the way that we smell right <laughs> and i think that that's sort of similar to hair in the sense not that i'm saying we should all stop using all forms of deodorant or that we should all stop ever cutting a single hair on our body but recognizing that as a fiction and really trying to push against it I think could be good especially when it comes to body odor it's a super class-based thing right how somebody smells tells you a lot about how much money they have in some ways less so now that deodorant is more available but even with examples like cologne for instance which I'm guilty of purchasing I think frankly there are people out there who would not waste money on cologne because it can be very pricey and it's a means of giving yourself a scent just like deodorant is but of course it's associated with this higher echelon and that's problematic in many ways because then we assume like i think you're getting at people who smell worse or even people who don't smell nice are in a lower class or simply aren't up to the standard exactly and that's problematic and i think too you see somebody with like carefully trimmed and carefully taking care of hair and it's the same thing right so you see somebody and they have bad hair or they smell bad But the discussion should move away from these understandings that something is bad or good and into this place of understanding that they are different and you've been taught that they're bad. Absolutely. I think teaching plays into it heavily. It's definitely a cultural thing. Obviously, I'm no expert on the millennia of cultural teachings, but as you've said, evolution is very important. And we didn't evolve with soap. We didn't evolve with deodorant. These are very much constructed ideas. And for anyone who's listening and making a face right now, think about it. You are using these products, as am I, so I'm definitely guilty, but at least think about why you're using them and recognize that they are not inherently good or inherently necessary, but we have given them or ascribed value, which is important to recognize. It's strange to me that over the course of 20 years, I have been so culturally and probably biologically in a sense of exposure taught to understand certain smells and body hairs, right, as clean and other ones as unclean, that it would probably take me years to live in a society where nobody policed their body hair at all and nobody policed their odor in any way, shape, or form and not make those judgments, at least on some level. A big thing that I'm thinking about, and I'd love to hear your thoughts and opinions, is that the idea of shaving separates us from animals, which I think is laughable because we are, of course animals in many ways we are animals that have simply evolved in more ways than others but the fact that we can shave and control certain hairs on our body which are not entirely unlike fur on an animal obviously there's biological differences but it is a form of covering of one's skin 
the fact that we can spend time policing or very carefully manicuring certain aspects of our appearance, in our minds, separates us from the animals, from the feral, from the wild. And I think that's why, let's say, larger beards or really unkempt leg hair or arm hair is associated with something lesser than or subhuman. Yeah, or, I mean, even linguistically speaking, when you're describing in books and poems and even in normal conversation, when you're describing somebody with a lot of body hair, most of the time that description is going to be animalistic, right? He's got a pelt of fur across his back. His beard was so unkempt that he looked wild. And, I mean, these are words that take you away from the human. So probably a lot of that is tied up in our language, which is ironic because language is probably what most separates us from animals. Mm -hmm. And the language right now is separating us even farther from animals. So in terms of other separations, one that was especially interesting to me on the website Everyday Feminism, the author of the article recounts her experience as a child of German-Jewish immigrants who did not find the need for their daughter to shave. And she wanted to to avoid embarrassment because a girl at school, I think her name was Kathy or something, had teased her. And she said that pressuring women to shave body hair is damaging for four reasons. One... She believes it sets a narrow precedent for our daughters. Two, she believes it plays into the gender binary. It can affect how feminine or masculine someone is perceived to be, which I think is very important. Three, it contributes to othering. And four, it creates a social or class boundary similar to good teeth or clear skin. And I think it's similar to some of the things that you had been talking about. For me, the gender binary is especially interesting because, of course, as we've talked about, gender is in many ways fluid. It's how you identify yourself. There's biological sex, but gender, which is an entirely different discussion that we should one day have, is larger and it's different. And the idea that you are either male or female based on body hair is in many ways silly. And I would challenge anyone listening to think about that a little bit. Well, here's an easy way to challenge yourself. And I think this is totally a connection to the silly part of it. They're so fixed for us, right? You see somebody with short hair and they look boyish. You see somebody with long hair and they're very womanly. Those are things that in recent human history have been untrue. As in courts in Europe in probably the Middle Ages, I should have done research, had men shaving their heads and putting on incredibly ostentatious wigs Mm -hmm. with ribbons and sometimes like fake birds, bright colors weaved in. I mean, these kinds of things, if you saw them on guys today, would look so effeminate. And then even jumping from culture to culture, right? There are cultures in Africa where women have short hair braided to their head or cut almost just to a fuzz. And then baldness, how that can reflect a very specific kind of masculinity in American culture. I agree. But in other cultures, it's how all men walk around or no men walk around or how certain women in a class walk around. And so these things that seem like givens to us in America are just so incredibly physically fluid and different in other places. For me, and again, check me if you think I'm wrong or if you disagree, I believe that the reason shaving, particularly in America, has taken off as much as it has is that when you are shaven you look younger. I think we associate less body hair with youth because, of course, as a child, you have hair on your head and on your eyebrows and your eyelashes. But for the most part, younger bodies are relatively hairless. And I think in American culture, there is an obsession with being younger, with looking younger. And I think that idea of youth, that the man who's going bald in middle age is reaching his elder years, is problematic for Americans, maybe for other cultures as well. But what do you think about that identification of our national culture? When you say shaving, do you mean of the face? I think of all parts of the body. I think 
men with beards look older typically in our minds than men without beards. I think women with hairy legs look older because that's a sign that you've reached puberty and can now start shaving your legs if you would like to. I think in general, just body hair we associate with being older or at least reaching that transition stage of adolescence. Well, I don't know about women, but I know for me, the reason that I shave my beard has much less to do with age and more to do with practicality and comfort. Mm -hmm. I think that shaving is maybe more of a thing in American culture because it's a great way to make money. So Absolutely. we've got shaving cream, which I personally have never understood because it just makes me messy and slimy and doesn't help me shave. But I know that there are people who feel differently. And then razors are incredibly expensive. And there's razors for women and there's razors for legs and there's razors for men. Right. right. And I think that maintaining this image of clean shavenness as an ideal is literally what lets these companies continue to thrive. Mm-hmm. And I don't know if you could say that shaving other parts of your body, like arms and legs, is directly connected to age, because that would suggest that our ideals are prepubescent, and I don't know if I would agree with that. That's fair. That's totally fair, and obviously a lot of this, if not all of this, is very subjective and very culturally based, and so therefore will differ for other cultures. I'd be curious to those of you listening out there who know about body hair in other cultures, Leave us a comment. Let us know what it's like in those countries or nations. I'd really be curious to hear how things differ away from America. I certainly want to learn more about it. And obviously, in the future, I do intend to have this conversation with a female guest because I'd love to learn what her stance is on it. But before we close, Tim, do you have any other thoughts or questions that you'd like to ask our audience regarding body hair and our practices surrounding it? I think it's important for us to recognize that we're speaking about body hair, not just from a male perspective, but also very much from a white male American perspective, because race plays into body hair a lot, not only with the different kinds of hair that your body grows, but also I think culturally there's a lot in play and a lot that's influencing what what Kip and I are saying today. I guess finally I would just close with a really short anecdote about my brother and I. We are very biologically similar, but hair-wise, I notice that we're very different. He doesn't, because his hair is effortlessly beautiful. He, like, wakes up, and it's in these, like, perfect, just beautiful waves. And if it's really short, it just kind of, like, spikes out perfect and falls flat. And if it's really long, it has all this body and depth. Meanwhile, my hair just mostly kind of is limp all the time um, and looks kind of dead. And (laughs) I think the two, Kip and I, are probably speaking from specific hair types. And we don't really think about hair types in the United States much. I think you're just mostly kind of, well, I suppose curly and straight, but that's about it. But there's probably a lot more variance than we are aware of. Mm -hmm. Well, Tim, I'm really glad that we had you on. And, of course, you are always more than welcome to come back on and discuss other topics with us. Thanks, Kip. It was fun. So, of course, we'd love to hear what you all think out there. Do you have particular stances on body hair? Maybe there are parents out there who have had interesting experiences with their children who do or do not want to shave. We would love to know what you think, so feel free to leave us a comment. You can tweet at us. Our Twitter is Stride N Saunter. On Facebook, we are Stride and Saunter. You can email us, strideandsaunter at gmail.com. And we very much encourage you to visit our website, strideandsaunter.com. Or graffiti various walls with the word stride and saunter. (laughs) And as always, we thank all of you for listening. And from thought to word and voice to ear, this is Kip Clark signing off.